0: You're listening to Drive & Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine, with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow.
1: All right, welcome to Drive & Convert. John, you and I, we own lots of businesses, or at least I own lots, you own them one bigger one. <laughs> and But both of us in our business day-to-day work. We're basically glorified salespeople most of the time. (laughs) And yeah, we like to be thought leaders and do cool stuff and and talk, but you know, you have to sell things to keep the lights on in business. And in that regard, we get told to know a lot. It seems everybody's got like this bank of excuses on why certain things can't happen now, or it doesn't make sense. I've heard everything in my 12 years in the digital world about digital marketing and SEO, all the stuff, but I've not been on your side in the CRO world, mm. and I'm betting there are some pretty interesting things that people come up with as an objection to doing conversion rate optimization. And in fact, I've probably said some of them to you myself <laughs> about my own sites and CRO, almost guaranteed. <laughs> but I'd be—I'm curious to hear, and I'm—and I'm there's probably some questions you can answer for people that in, their gut check for like CRO would be, ooh, it's too expensive," or any of these other things. And so, what I'd like to hear from you is. What are the common objections that you hear to doing CRO, uh, whether that's even just themselves or with you? Mm-hmm. And then how do you respond to those and get people over that so that somebody can listen to this and then come to you without those objections anymore? But at the end of the day, I really want to know, how do you communicate CRO to the, to the stakeholders? Because a lot of times you're going to talk to somebody that's not even the owner of the business or the executive that's making the final say. So you've got to have somebody tell a story mm-hmm. above their pay grade. And that, I know, the game of telephone, a lot gets lost in that translation. So I'm excited to be educated in the world of overcoming objections or reasons you can't do something in CRO. Yeah. In the conversion world.
2: Well, thanks. And and I think this is one that we both have a challenge with. Whenever you, your team speaks to folks about why their ads aren't performing as well as they could be, it turns into a conversion challenge most likely, right? And so... Mm-hmm you know, that's when it kind of, I always say it, it's adding fuel to the fire, right? You guys start this great fire. And then if you really want to have the site converting at a high level so that they can add fuel to that fire, that ends up being where you often say, hey, you need to talk with John. And, you know, I'm sure when you say that you hear your own objections too, to why, oh no, I don't need to talk to John for all these other reasons.
1: or mm-hmm. well, I'm just too small, but it's, it's even the, what people miss, I think, in the conversation is just the logic that's in play. Like, okay, as you push harder on marketing, you get people that are less qualified or less interested just by default because mm-hmm. you've covered the people that are actually looking for you and you're getting to like what they consider non-brand. And inevitably, you're capturing more traffic that's going to convert at a lower rate. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody I can, I can increase their conversion rate tomorrow if they're running paid search by cutting off everything but brand terms. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could do conversion optimization just by cutting off traffic that doesn't convert as high. But that's not what you want to do as a business that's growing. And so rather than my version of CRO, we're like, hey, if you want to grow and be able to perform better at more broad terms, you need to remove friction on your site. The logic gets lost somehow Mm -hmm. in business owners as they're thinking about their site and where to put that next dollar, not realizing that that next dollar, if it goes to CRO, it makes everything else look really good.
2: Yeah. Well, why don't we jump right in? I I, I think yeah. you and I don't need to convince each other, right? But no. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll try not to convince you today, but you know, I'll just preface all of this with saying that it's never about convincing a brand to do optimization. Right. I think that there needs to be a clear mutual fit whenever I'm having one of these conversations. And for me it's it's about can we move the needle for this brand? And if we can are they bought in enough to to be able to stick it through and see that that happen, see the results, right? Because optimization, yeah, there's some quick wins, there always are, but it's something that is an iterative process over time, right? And I think, you know, looking at that those two aspects, I hear a lot of, of objections. So maybe we just right. hit up the list. Yeah.
1: So what are the most common
2: that you hear? Well, I think the the biggest one is we have all these changes and issues that we know about and we want to want to make all these changes to our site. And then after we do all of that, I'll start optimizing. So, you know, I see the value, but I need to get this list of quick fixes done first. And to me, that's no different than saying, I'll start working out with that trainer tomorrow. I know I can go lift a few weights (laughs) on my own and, you know, hit up the uh, planet fitness and I'll be in shape, right? It never works out that way. The accountability is not there. The specialty of knowing what exercises to do and how to do them properly. Right. So, uh, you know, there's all of these things I could say. It's like, it's like saying, I'm going to fill follow that meal plan next month and I'm going to just cut back on the treats right now. And then I'll lose five pounds. I've been trying to cut for the last two years and then I'm going to really get in shape, right? It's like, mm-hmm. they just don't, none of those things drive sustainable results. And sure. I think, you know, a lot of brands may be better off than they were before they took all these actions. Right. But. Some action is surely better than nothing at all. Uh, so I'm glad they're doing something, but you know, even professional athletes have trainers and nutritionists to go back to those examples that help them sustain and reach their, their full potential. So I think they need the same for their e-commerce website. And so I think it's interesting when we see people in this position in this situation, this knowing that they need to optimize their site, but there's just this lingering to do list that's just hanging out there. I really ask them to consider a handful of points of view. And it's really just like thinking about how long will it take them to to get to those projects, right? Well,
1: and in reality, is there any logic from your perspective that says you can't do them all at the same time? Mm. Or does one have to come before the other generally?
2: Well, okay, let's go back to the weightlifting. Can you lift every single muscle group at once? No. Right? I, mean,
1: I mean, technically, but it would be a bad idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might end up like a pancake. I don't know.
1: It <laughs> wasn't there that that random machine on the airplane that you can see in the book that like has all these handles and everything's like, oh, I'll get the full body workout in three minutes. So you're like, I mean, maybe. <laughs> hey,
2: it's like, you know, it's like the ab blaster, right? Or what is it? Three minute abs now or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, look, the reality is that I think if you work with a professional, you're ensured that those things will happen. Yeah, there's no guarantees and there's bad professionals just like anywhere else. But the reality is, you know, if you ask a handyman to come and knock out that home repair to-do list that's been, you know, that your spouse has has magnetized to the fridge for the last two years, right? If you hire that handyman, it's just going to get done. And you know it's going to be done well because they've done it a hundred times where you're going to have to go to the hardware store five trips because you keep forgetting that screw you need. You don't have the right drill, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So... I think that that's really important. I also think it's important to ask themselves the question, who's who's going to be working on those projects, right? And I think when you bring on these experts to optimize, you should find that it takes less time and is more successful. You know, that handyman that you're hiring, it, like I said, they've hung that shelf on your wall a hundred times. And they know how to ensure it doesn't fall in the middle of the night and waking everybody up. So mm-hmm. I think it's important that you you wonder who's going to do that. You know, is it going to be you? You know, the the brand e-commerce manager? Unlikely. Maybe you can do some easy things, but the chance of you truly diving deeper is is pretty slim. So I also think that people should be asking themselves how they know the items that they have on their list, or even the right things to focus on, right? <laughs> I think that's always, a, we get in and it's not uncommon for us to work with a new brand. And the first thing they do is bring a list of ideas to our kickoff meeting and say, these are the list of things that we've been trying to accomplish that we know need optimized. And they just haven't gotten around to it. Almost every client comes to us with that. The challenges we go in and we say, yeah, we'll, we'll take into consideration this list. You know, we don't wanna dismiss any of these ideas. You know your customers well, we're just coming into this, but we gotta keep our eyes wide open here. And so we complete our research and and do our data analysis and the reality is we almost never recommend the starting with that same list that was provided to us almost never maybe there's one item on there or something but almost never is it the highest impact or highest return on investment areas so the reality is if you're bringing in an expert they're going to use data and just not their intuition and that's hard for an e-commerce brand manager who's really has a challenge getting outside that jar that we talk about all the time, right?
1: One of my favorite examples of you in particular with the company I know well, InMod, Mm -hmm. where you and I were on stage in New York, and InMod is really excited about their site and how great they are on, I think they were on Yahoo or something (laughs) like that. And they had this list, they did, they had this list of things they wanted to accomplish, Mm -hmm. and then you did an analysis in front of everybody, and it was their imaging that was having the problem. And they were really proud of their images. Mm -hmm. They took all of them, of all their couches and chairs, and they're like, how hard images are great? You're like, your images are hurting your conversion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This was the classic
2: that they had put, like, the shiny gold object in the picture when they're trying to sell a a couch. And the problem Mm -hmm. was the sofa just got overlooked because all the eyes were drawn right to the gold mirror behind the sofa, for instance. Again, it's really hard to get outside that jar, right? They were like, yeah, we got to set dress this and make it look nice and, like, bring in a designer, and it's like, great. Well, the whole point of that designer is not to sell a couch. It's to make the set look good. You know, what are you yeah. trying to do?
1: They should have been selling mirrors because they would have sold a lot Ooh. of mirrors with that picture.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one should go back to and do. find
1: that picture and be like, can I sell that mirror?
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one to do. They, I, I remember he emailed me a couple weeks later, and he's like, we went in and edited out everything out of our photos. It's working a lot better now. It's like, I'm uh, sorry you mm-hmm. spent all that money uh, doing a photo shoot that you didn't need. But here's the fourth thing. There are a lot of other things that these econ managers could be spending their time on that's going to really, truly net them a better return on investment. If they hire an expert to come in and run their optimization or to tell them what to do first, you know, there's going to be an opportunity cost to them trying to optimize themselves. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. I think there's cost in having the wrong list and not attacking the highest opportunity areas. I think there's cost in spending more effort and time than needed, which an an expert can do things pretty quickly. And I think there's cost in not seeing the same results that an expert would unlock just in in theory, right? So even just, I think cutting out the cost of stress, of always having that to-do list sitting there. You know, I think you ask any spouse who has a to-do list, right? Been on the fridge for a few years. And like every time they open the fridge, it I mean, there's a reason that my wife puts that list on the fridge, right? Because every time I open the fridge, what she knows I'm going to do, I'm going to have to see that list. And it stresses me out every time, but I know I'm never going to get it done. Right. <laughs> and so eventually I just hire someone and they come and take care of a bunch of this stuff because, you know, it's easier and it saves my marriage. Right. But the reality is all that stress adds up. And I think that I could be spending my time on on more valuable things perhaps right and so not doing that is leaving countless money on the table and unrealized revenue and conversions
1: yep i think as a business owner myself and as a, on a marketing level and even as the husband and father you've got that time money equation mm-hmm. and i'm super cheap but i also have limited time and so that's a constant tension in my world and if i realize like i could have spent you know, 500 bucks and gotten this done and I would have been able to enjoy the other things I'm actually good at. And so as a business owner, I'm not good at certain things and I realize it, but I maybe I'm trying to bootstrap something and realize ah, if I could just get it, you know, kind of as is and then I can be fine and then go back to what I really enjoy. Right. It would be so much better if I just got out of that and was like, just <laughs> somebody better than me in this, take this from me because it's worth it for me. That's exactly to not, it. If I had to give up some of that bottom line profit to just have a better business and less stress, Unfortunately, I don't make a lot of my decisions that way as I should. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, you know, someone taught me a lesson when I was younger that was really valuable. And it's, you know, what kind of revenue can I generate with an hour of my time? And if I think about it that way, I should be outsourcing everything that does not make me that money. Mm -hmm. Right? And everything that would cost me less. And then I get the margin. So meaning like, hey, if I could make, hundred bucks an hour, right? And I can pay somebody 20 bucks to mow my lawn and it's gonna take them an hour. In theory, I've made $80. Right, mm-hmm. because I should be doing something more productive with that hundred dollars uh, in terms of time, right? And then it cost me twenty dollars to get the task done. So now that task is done, and and it only costs me twenty percent. I have an eighty percent margin on my time. And I think that's an interesting way to look at this as well for ecom managers. What are you losing, and what is that margin on on getting these things resolved?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that gets an analogy that none of us in ecom pay attention to because we're. So stuck in looking at screens, <laughs> yeah, for, real, and, for sure, and numbers, and not thinking through what could I actually be doing to generate money on other areas.
0: You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you.
1: Again, we're on the money thing, so I bet because it is in every possible sales scenario or business scenario, price is an objection. Hmm. How do you get people beyond that
2: yeah i I think the investment level that is needed to do this right can often be a challenge and i think that this comes down to folks just not calculating the return on investment it's that plain and simple if you look at this from a return on investment there is nothing else in marketing that it can net you such a high return on investment and get so close to the money
1: i hate it but that's true (laughs) I want the answer to be paid search, yeah. or paid social or SEO, but it's not.
2: Well, I I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> that. You're a bigger man than me. I would have I would have fought it to the teeth. <laughs> but I, I will say this, Ryan, that the reality is that we're talking about on-site, right? Off-site, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I we don't have affect anything off-site. Can we improve the off-site numbers? Perhaps. I think that's where the fuel to the fire comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're gonna need both eventually. But the reality here is when you're talking about on-site experience there's really nothing that can get you as much of a return on investment not that app of the day that you see not the trick or hack that you need to deploy you know what's the only thing that's going to get you closer to the money is discounting
1: oh i thought you were gonna say wheelio (laughs) yeah <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's the, you know, if if you really want to like just do this overnight, just uh, knock your prices down fifty percent, right? But then <laughs> your your return on investment is is going to be down dramatically. And so I think that it's it's one thing that that folks don't think about is that what's the return? Yes, you have to you have to spend some money to make money, right? But that's e-commerce. You got to buy the inventory, or you've got to pay for the traffic. There's a lot of ways in e-comm to make a boatload of money, but you've got to spend some money to do it. And then Mm -hmm. once you start getting over that hump, that initial hump, which most of the brands who who are, are considering optimization, they're over that hump, right? They already are spending money to drive traffic. They already have sustainable traffic levels. And at that point, it's pretty simple. We can come in or any optimization service can come in and can really move the needle and prove it by being so close to the money, right? If you're doing grid optimization, you're working with an expert, they're going to track every click and movement. They're going to have tons of metric and data. And they're going to be sharing that with you on a regular, at least monthly basis. And what that means is there's no running from those numbers. They should be earning their keep every month. And it's going to be very clear if they are Mm -hmm. or they are not. And if it's not clear, you need to ask for more data because that should be shared.
1: Yeah, there isn't a marketing... Thing that touches social channel traffic Mm -hmm. optimization, organic. Like if you increase your entire site conversion rate, it's better than spending more money on shopping. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, for what I like to play, yeah, it allows you to spend more long term.
2: Exactly right because the that return on investment, you can then go back and reinvest. Let's Mm -hmm. take the hourly spend thing I was talking about earlier. Okay, I paid someone twenty dollars to mow my lawn. I now have made eighty dollars in theory, right, with my hour of time. I was doing something that was you know I could make $100 an hour doing well now I have that $80 I could reinvest right and so I go and I invest that $180 excuse me that $80 is starting to make me money while I'm generating another hundred the next hour and you just mm-hmm. start compounding that over time I think the best way to think about this is just like a retirement account right you're collecting conversions and you continually optimize and as you're optimizing, you're continually building up and you're you're eventually just going to see a really good sustainable return where you know you're able to invest in more traffic and then you're able to convert higher. And it's this continuous circle of invest in traffic, convert higher, reinvest the the earnings into more traffic, right? And you can spread that out and go across channels. You can start optimizing. Email. You can start optimizing all social. You can start optimizing paid or SEO or any of these other things, right? So it just is. It's a it's a flywheel, if you will. Uh, I hate business mm-hmm. terms like that, but that's what it is. I
1: i'd probably simplify it too much, but it's a just an equation on my end. Mm. Like if you're spending, I'm going to make this up twenty thousand to generate forty thousand dollars of revenue on like non brand shopping, where you're acquiring new customers, mm-hmm. where really where conversion optimization helps. And instead, you're going to spend $25,000 for a few months because you spent $5,000 on conversion rate optimization to generate $40,000 conceptually. Very quickly, your conversion rate on that same $20,000 of investment on paid search is going to generate $50,000, mm-hmm. which allows you to invest more in that paid search to acquire more customers, which gets you a larger email database, which it is a flywheel, but it's if you think about increasing conversion rate where you can compete with your competitors. And if you are like me and you're hyper competitive, I wanna destroy people on non-brand shopping mm-hmm. and get those customers because they're showing the intent that they want my product. But if I can't get the return of at least break even, I'm losing money, spending money on that to get them. So I need to pull back. Competitors that are converting better get to keep playing and I don't. And that makes me angry as a business owner and how competitive I am. But that's where I see Like if you can't play there and there's other people playing there, either they're accepting a loss of money like you weren't willing mm-hmm. to do or their conversion rate optimization is better and they're able to keep playing and you have to take your ball and go home at that level.
2: Right. That's great. And and I think that's exactly where there's a lot of calculators out there that will help you do that math. But I think that it's pretty simple, right? And mm-hmm. and like you're saying, just take the earnings and reinvest it and you'll continue to grow, grow, grow in most cases.
1: Yep. And all you want is those emails and loyalty programs to keep printing money.
2: Yeah. What do you what, what objections do you hear? I'm sure there's a couple that you hear when when you say, "Hey, I'm going to introduce you to John."
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, either they don't like you already. Yeah, so you well, can't help I'm them. not I'm very likable. <laughs> so <laughs> I <laughs> uh, no, I actually have never heard that. Um, thankfully, which is why we're partnered well, because you're smart and you take you treat people well, which is what is important in this industry. Well, I appreciate that. They're not going to work with you, um, but I do have people think that. They're already optimized or there's not enough that can be done. Like, I'm on Shopify. There's not enough to do. It's designed to convert, so I'm done. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Go talk to John and figure that out. But that would be an objection I've heard.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. The reality is, if Shopify is optimized, why does it have the massive app ecosystem that it does? Right? Why are mm-hmm. there so many apps out there to alter Shopify? <laughs> If, if it's already 100% optimized. So, uh, you know, my point of view on this is that you are never optimized, you're always optimizing, right? So if you don't know what your customers are looking for or what they're doing on your site, you're starting from 100. But if you have a good understanding of analytics and, and you've already optimized based on user interactions, you know, now you can step up to 101. And you can start looking at things like, what's that post-purchase experience? Or even, you know, hey, what are my landing pages for you know specific campaigns doing, right? Now we need to start optimizing those. Or dive really deep. What's our product detail page look like? And how should we be uh, overcoming objections and arranging the content, right? There's always something, right? You're going to come up with new products. You're going to have to optimize those pages. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer that you're never optimized, you're always optimizing. So when somebody says I'm already optimized, I say, okay, you are, maybe you think that, and it lets us shits and giggles you are today, right? But what about tomorrow when user behaviors change, when sure. uh, the e-commerce ecosystem changes, when Shopify comes out with that update to now have shop pay in your checkout? Oh, you weren't expecting that, were you? What happened, right? So this is my point is things are always changing in e-commerce and so, there's a good opportunity there in, in my point of view.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think if you make some assumptions, but I, I'm pretty confident that, for example, Google and Amazon hire some highly intelligent people and they have a disgusting amount of data more than anybody listening to this if their own business. I guarantee Amazon yes. and Google have more data than you. They're optimizing constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Amazon platform hasn't stood still despite being arguably one of the better converting things out there for e-commerce. In fact, I think, what was it, last week where my Amazon app turned brown? Yeah. I was like, what? Out of, out of nowhere, I now have a brown little package sitting on my phone? <laughs> I thought I, I thought I lost my Amazon app, actually. <laughs> but th- there may have actually been some logic to that in testing somewhere else that actually said we should be a brown box. Yeah. Uh, That's what people uh, know. If UPS you see a brown pair, box <laughs> you
2: you th- with a little smiley face on it, you assume it, you like you know Amazon, right? Uh, and the thing to understand about Amazon is they once changed and uh, did some testing on the background color of their pages, and they were finding the white, the right hue. They A B tested or multivariate tested something like two hundred different shades, and it's like hardly even perceptible to the eye, right? But they ran <laughs> this test over time, and in one day, instead of just changing it. They then, over the course of time, migrated to that color, went through all the spectrum so that it did not disrupt users. So they said, hey, this converts better, but we don't want people to show up at our site and think that this is an Amazon. So we're gonna make this change subtly. And so they just set it up <laughs> so that it gradually changed that color over time. You don't have the time, the resources, or unfortunately, even the stress to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying they have a lot more data. They do. 100% they have more data. They have they have 100 people doing optimization for them, right? And so I don't think comparing yourself to Amazon is a healthy thing to do, but I do think that you should understand that if you're going to complain that Amazon's coming in and eating your lunch, you might want to do something about it too.
1: Yeah, and it's I don't make assumptions about every business, but I'm pretty confident that Amazon's not the business of just losing money because it's fun, <laughs> but they want to invest where they're going to get a bigger return. Yeah. And They've got the data to back up that continued optimization on what most people would arguably say is better converting than whatever you're using as you're on your website. So take a take a, a hint from somebody mm-hmm. to say maybe this does make sense. Um, you're not already optimized. <laughs> if Amazon's not optimized, I guarantee you're not optimized. Yeah. There you uh, go. Would be my takeaway there. Uh, the other one I would say is to a degree took care of the, you know the people that say that. I can just do this on my own or mm-hmm. I can read a book and do it, but you need the experts to do it. But it's almost like I can test and measure and see some of the data or I don't need all of that user testing in place, which would indicate I can do it for less money mm-hmm. than say the experts at the good. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you can do things cheaper all the time, but it, it does take, you have to get some of this user testing stuff done to make conversion and optimization work. And I, that's where people get hung up a lot mm-hmm. of times, I think. And it's that stupid thing we talked about multiple times, so blue button to orange button or something like yeah. that.
2: Well, I think this goes back to brands thinking they know their consumers extremely well. And mm. they may know their consumers well, but do they know what objections their consumers are having on their website. What challenges are they facing? Mm-hmm. And that perspective is just extremely hard to obtain without some outside help. And it's not optimization if you're not taking that into consideration. It's just not uh you can do everything else and see some change right but let's just say if you 20 percent of the possible opportunity is found in just making changes that you think are there the other 80 percent are going to come from your consumers and so you're missing a huge opportunity if you don't get them involved and so it's really really a challenge and quite honestly um when i hear that i often think there's a culture issue at a business more than anything else and that's where earlier i was talking about uh, you know things need to be a good mutual fit when i Mm -hmm. hear something like that i often say okay this might not be a good fit for for us because they aren't going to want to listen to what we hear from their consumers and we worked with a massive printer brand and i'll spare the names at this point but i will say we, we worked with a massive printer brand and We did some testing and and talked to some consumers and came back and said, this needs to change on your product detail page. It's too hard to find the right ink for these printers. And people can't find it any other way but going to the printer's page. And on that printer's page, you've made it impossible for people to see what they need for supplies. And they're like, yeah, but they're buying the printer, not the supplies on this page. And like, you know, this is how we've always done it. And we're a massive corporation that, you know, excuse 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 right mm-hmm. and i said and they said you know we've done it always this way we don't want to change it i said that's fine i hear you let me go talk to some consumers we'll come back in a week and let's see what you think and they said you know what you're not going to change uh my point of view <laughs> but yeah sure let's do it and so then that turned into all of a sudden where what we ended up doing was going out and doing some user testing And we said, hey, we're gonna record videos of people actually engaging with the site and then we'll figure it out from there. We came back a week later and we had chopped up a video of people using the site and providing feedback from user testing and I put a little ticker down in the bottom corner of the video so that every time somebody (laughs) abandoned because they couldn't find the right ink, then I, at that point, I was like, okay, like, you know, we were up to several thousand dollars at one point In the video, and it was only 15 minutes long of of these people having these problems. And so I took that video in and we shared it to the executives and the executives, like it took four or five minutes of seeing that ticker count up and people getting really frustrated and they finally got it. And they said, okay, let's, let's fix this. (laughs) Right. And Mm -hmm. I think often that goes back to the money situation, right? It's either the money or it's being, having a really good understanding of what is that return on investment and the sympathy for their for their customers which a lot of brands just don't have especially the bigger corporations right that gets lost mm-hmm. in the mix
1: got it well john i as per usual i'm enlightened i know more about conversion rate optimization and the processes than i did half an hour ago <laughs> so i appreciate the the download and the help and hopefully some other people have realized you know the value of john's addressed some of your objections on this but he's right commercial rate optimization will touch all channels on your site, not not just the ones I like. <laughs> and so it's probably pretty valuable, and you should be doing it.
2: <laughs> there we go. Well, thanks for the discussion today, Ryan. This is great as always, and happy to, to chat once again.
0: Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.